Well, my fellow Kentuckians, spring is officially in the air. The warm breeze is blowing. The birds are chirping. And if you're like me, when you think spring, you instantly think barbecue. And that is our focus of attention this week. As I know, you will thoroughly enjoy the sights and the smells that are soon to take over downtown Owensboro, May 13th and 14th to be exact. It's part of the ever-popular Barbecue Block Party. Now, barbecue festivals have been a May tradition in Owensboro for many, many years. We'll let you know exactly how long momentarily. And if you've never taken part in this tradition, boy, you are missing out. And it's not just locals that enjoy it. People come from far and wide, and they're always looking for more, yourself and myself included. In fact, the public events director for the city of Owensboro, Tim Ross, is standing by to tell us all about the food and the fun that awaits us before we know it. It's right around the bend, and we're going to get your appetite flared up this week on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. It's Season 5, Episode 18. E.J. Simmons, hit it! Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Ludlow to London, Lowenoak to Lola, if it's connected to the Commonwealth, we strive to honor it on a weekly basis right here and only here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. Welcome to the month of May. I'm Sam Moore here at the gorgeous, glowing North Quail Motel in precious Henderson, KY. And I tell you, just about 30 miles over the road from me, they are preparing for a big-time weekend in downtown Owensboro. It will start on May the 13th. That is a Friday. Yep, Friday the 13th, I know. But don't worry, it will bring nothing but good luck to all of those who are organizing and will hopefully be attending this year's Barbecue Block Party. Now, Tim Ross is the Public Events Director for the City of Owensboro, and he is right around the corner to tell us all about it. And regardless of what type of barbecue it is that you're craving, you can eat it to your heart's content during this two-day event, whether it be pork, mutton, ribs, burgoo, even a lot of the non-barbecue favorites that we crave at outdoor festivals. But how can you get past the barbecue? It's a barbecue festival, for crying out loud. And uh, mutton is truly unique to Western Kentucky. If you've never lived in Western Kentucky, haven't spent a lot of time in that neck, chances are you very well may not have had mutton. But it's a great opportunity to sample some of the best around during this barbecue block party, as well as all the other stuff. They even have a backyard cooking competition scheduled, live music, 
and a 5k plan so you can eat all that food with a lot less guilt. It's not too late to sign up for that 5k either so we'll find out about all of this and much much more with Mr. Tim Ross. He's coming up in mere mere moments but before we get to Tim, yes I have another Bluegrass Brain Buster. Hot off the press, it's ready for you. I try to do one of these weekly, so we'll give you the question now and let you stew on it while Tim Ross works on our appetites, and we will give you the answer at the conclusion of today's show. Now, in addition to the barbecue block party coming up on the 13th and 14th, this coming weekend is Derby Weekend in the Commonwealth. Yep, it snuck up on us, didn't it? But the fastest two minutes in sports is headed our way this coming Saturday, that is May the 7th. So I do have a Derby-themed question, because the uh, Derby has been a spring tradition in the Commonwealth since 1875. I want to know exactly how many horses have taken part in the Kentucky Derby since its inception. Again, the Derby has been a springtime tradition in the Commonwealth since 1875. 75, and I want to know exactly how many horses have taken part in the Kentucky Derby since its inception. You think on that, get the juices flowing, we will let you know in the program's final segment. Good luck. It's a fabulous festival feature on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Well, I can taste the pork, the mutton, ribs, chicken, you name it. It's all going to be right at our fingertips before we know it at the barbecue block party in Owensboro. It's happening Friday, May 13th, Saturday, May 14th. And here to uh, tell us all about the food, the festivities, the, the music, everything else that uh, <laughs> happens to be crammed into this action-packed weekend, the perfect cure for spring fever, as we'll discuss more as we go along. But here he is. He is the uh, Director of Public Events for the City of Owensboro. Let's welcome Mr. Tim Ross. Hey, Sam. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, sir. Even better now that we're talking barbecue, one of my favorite subjects. Now, uh, I, I trust you're, you're kind of the, um, the head honcho of this committee, right? Yeah, I don't know about the head honcho. I'm a piece of it, and I'm kind of a newbie. A lot of the folks that have been involved in it for, for so many years um, have been doing it for a lot longer than I have, but I'm certainly, obviously, my role with the city and, and how involved the city is, it's certainly, uh, it's it's not a city event, but yet with how involved the city is because of the magnitude of what takes place uh, and has been for a long time, you know, I'm obviously a, a part of that as well. So, yeah, yeah, springtime, it's barbecue. I mean, I don't know who doesn't like talking about barbecue. Uh, it makes my mouth water a little bit. You get that taste in the back of your mouth, picturing, mm. you know, tasting your favorite barbecue, which works really well. So I'm excited about it. It's just about a week and a half now. Yes, indeed. And Owensboro is the uh, the barbecue capital of the world. Are you from Owensboro originally, Tim? I'm actually not. I, I'm really a newbie. I've been here about 11 years now, but I still kind of a newbie when it comes to, you know, so many families around all the whole state of Kentucky are, um, you know, they multiple generations in the same communities and they've got great uh, rich history and tradition, um, you know, behind everything in their community. And obviously barbecue is one of those that we're known for here in Owensboro. So even though I'm, I'm almost pushing a dozen years, um, I'm still a newbie to it, I guess. You're all, <laughs> you're always learning, but don't worry. So, so are we, sir. Now, where are you from originally? 
Uh, I was actually spent most of my life down in Florida. And uh, oh, but like I said, okay. I've been up here in, in Owensboro, Western Kentucky for a little over 11 years now and uh, thoroughly enjoy it. My, my family and I have a good time here. We enjoy it. Well, we <laughs> we always welcome Florida transplants. Now, Owensboro, this part of the state, it's it's well known for its mutton. I highly doubt that you'd had mutton before you moved to these parts, had you? Believe it or not, I had, I, and that oh. was just from traveling. But uh, so it, it, I certainly wasn't, um, I wasn't ingrained like the, the Western Kentucky community is ingrained with mutton and burgoo and things like that. That's been a learning process. But I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I enjoy tasting it from all the different church teams and places. So that's uh, it, it was not new, but the um, the how rich the tradition is and the love for it that part was certainly new to me. Yeah, absolutely. So so you've learned a lot about it. Since, I have, uh, definitely <laughs> since you've been here. Now uh, you said that you know you're you're a new kid on the block, but you're uh, you know you're becoming part of the family. In fact, you already are. So which aspects of uh, the experience of being on the committee have you found most fulfilling so far, Tim? Yeah, I mean, the, the festival is just a great, um, it's kind of a great launch. I feel like in, in my world uh, of the season, I'll call it, um, I'm doing air quotes here with you, Sam, when I say the season, right? There's so many places <laughs> that I've traveled, and I've done different things, uh, you know, over the years that people kind of get in the season. You know, I know up in New York, in Long Island area, it's Memorial Weekend is kind of the start of summer. And it's that kickoff when things warm up and you kind of get ready for summer and you're getting past the, all the school and all that kind of stuff. Well, here in those Western Kentucky region, certainly here in Owensboro, barbecue weekend, you know, here in the state of Kentucky, it's Derby weekend, right? Kind of, kind of kicks things off on a statewide level. Right. May. But then here in Owensboro specifically, always the second weekend in May, you know, for decades now, they've had this barbecue, International Barbecue Festival. And so that's kind of what symbolically represents the start of the season where school is in the last week or two, you know, depending on snow days of, of school and, uh, you know, graduations are happening that week. And it's kind of the start of the end of school, start of summertime. So that um, kind of social atmosphere and kind of symbolically barbecues here there's smoke in the air there's great taste on the grills and we're getting ready to kind of launch the season of festivals and activities and all the outdoor things uh that happen in, you know in the community so that's what kind of that symbolic presence uh, representation you know of of the, kind of kicking off the start of the year um for all those outdoor activities that we love and in winter and the cold cold weather's kind of gone right sam at that point yeah finally that's kind of that symbolic kind of element to it just like derby you know kicks off in the state the weekend before yes indeed like you said with uh, school ending it's a it's a great way to celebrate happy endings and new beginnings and <laughs> all right, that fun right. stuff <laughs> while, <Yeah>. you, uh, <laughs> while you eat to your heart's content now uh tell me how the idea for a a barbecue festival in owensboro first came to be, Tim, and how this yeah. festival uh, ultimately became a reality. Yeah, it's it's a really kind of wandering, meandering story, uh, as I've learned over the years. You know, barbecue here in Owensboro dates back to, you know, the, the mid to late 1800s. Um, you know, there was a gentleman all the way back in, uh, I think it was 1834, um, that had, had the official that they can see on records, the first official, hey, join us for this barbecue uh, event that was happening. And um, so it, obviously that's a long time ago, 1834s. 
Um, but it's been known in the region for that. So when the community way back in the day wanted to do something and they had a fundraiser, whether or not it was raising money to help build a bridge or raising money to put in a statue or raising money for the church development of this um, back for you know now 150 some odd years, uh, this area has been known to just hold a barbecue uh, oh, yeah. as a fundraiser. Right. And um, so that's kind of how it started a long, long time ago. But the more, I guess, modern iteration to it, um, you know, has developed obviously a lot more recently than that, but it still has a rich history. It was back, the Chamber of Commerce back in uh, 1978 decided to kind of make it more of an official thing. I guess, you know, back in the day that that first one in 1834 happened, I believe it was July 4 weekend um, to celebrate and recognize, you know, the, the independence is why they started that first one. But then in 1978, the Chamber of Commerce got on board and said, hey, we want to make this kind of an official thing. And they decided to program it for April, not not second week of May, but April uh, in 78. And they said, hey, let's kind of organize this a little bit more. So they pulled different community folks together to be able to do that. And there's still some that have, were actively involved, um, you know, here in our community that were part of those initial groups a long time ago. So in, in April of 1979, they did the first international barbecue festival is what they called it. And they had, um, at the time, they had 10 uh, church cooking teams. Well, I, I take that back, 10 cooking teams. I don't think they were all church teams. Right. Participated in that. And uh, they estimated 10 to 15,000 people um, were in Owensboro that day to participate in that event. And they went through, listen to this, Sam. So this was back, you know, 50 plus, years, well, 40 plus years ago. Sure. Um, 10,000 pounds of mutton. They estimated oh over 2,000 chickens and 500 gallons of burgoo. Mm. So those are those are numbers that would certainly hold uh, hold true today if they did that same style of event. No uh, unfortunately, mutton is insanely expensive now compared to what it was back then. And then the whole history of why mutton got involved was really interesting too. But so it's just you know there, there's been this rich barbecue history you know from 1834 that Old Hickory restaurant in town was back in 1918 that started. And then everybody knows Moonlight Barbecue that started back in 1963. Oh, yeah. And so it's just kind of evolved because of those big signature restaurants that the Owensboro area was known for. And then, like I said, in the 1979, they did the first one that has kind of become the, the International Barbecue Festival. Yeah. So April, uh, the first April festival was in 79. And when, when did they move it to May? Do you know? I don't know the date, honestly, Sam, when they when they flipped it into May, but it's, okay. you know, just because of the history of what um, it probably had something to do with the weather. I know they, they sure. said the weather on that first one that they did was in the 30s um, when they started the event. It only got to the mid 50s. So I, I feel like it's typically rainy at some point in May during our festival. Um, but at the same point, it our highs are typically a little bit warmer, more barbecue friendly than being in the low 50s uh, right. you know, for the high temperature that day. So that fits a little <laughs> bit more the start of the season. So I'm glad whoever had that genius idea years ago to flip it to May. Yeah, uh, was, exactly. was a smart person. They should be commended for that. I agree because there, you know, there's usually one or two frosts in April, and with any luck at all, you don't have to worry about that in May. So <laughs> exactly, yes, exactly right. Yeah, May's a little bit warmer, so we always have the rainstorm that comes through, but uh, but at least you don't have to deal with typically worrying about you know covering the the new flowers or anything in, in April. No, <laughs> that's that's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, May is uh, ideally one of the, the best times of year for it. Now, what do you believe has, has been the secret to the splendid success and widespread popularity of the festival over the, the past few decades, Tim? I, well, I think it comes down to the, the social aspect of it and then just the, the pride that the community has in the barbecue here. 
Um, certainly when you have restaurants, like kind of staples like Moonlight Barbecue, Old Hickory, now we've got Old South Barbecue that's a part of that. Um, you know, lots of communities all over the country have barbecue restaurants, right? And there's sure. sort of the barbecue chain restaurants that kind of come and go and, and feature that. But a lot of them have kind of a signature, I call like a local mom and pop, you know, place for barbecue. But um, most places probably don't have mom and pop barbecue that's been around for more than 100 years, you know, for, for Old Hickory. And so really, it is kind of a staple signature from a long, long time ago. And like we talked about so many families from, you know, generation after generation of farmers here you know, that date back to the 1800s when, when, when sheep were so prevalent and different sure. you know, livestock were that started that barbecue history. So it's known for that barbecue history here. And then kind of what kicked it off back, you know, at the end of the 1970s, those church cooking teams. And so it was a significant fundraiser for them to be able to go out and, and it's evolved into like most everything in our society, Sam, is that it's, it's social in nature. And so whether or not it's, um, you know, nowadays with travel sports that so many families do, a lot of it, yeah, we, we enjoy it because our kids enjoy the participating in the sport and the travel, but yet the parents and the families enjoy being social with each other and going sure. to those things. And certainly that's what, uh, you know, barbecue weekend is and whether or not it's folks that come in and they enjoy the carnival or some folks enjoy the backyard cooking competition or some folks just love going to their favorite church because I love my, you know, my burgoo from Lourdes is the best one. And I always want to get a, you know, a gallon of it to take home with me. Right. So who, exactly. who, whichever person, you know, whatever it is, but there's, there really is a social aspect to it. And so it's the same thing, you know, for, for families that love going to Thunder Over Louisville or love going to TriFest or love going to the West Side Nut Club. You know, sure. I go with my friends and my family and we get to support, you know, whether it's your favorite food trailer or, you know, depending on the event. Um, or your favorite aspect to it, we go get to listen to some live music and hang out, at, you know, on the patio of that restaurant. Um, I, I think we're just, as humans, we're born to be social creatures. Oh, and yeah. so the history of the barbecue kind of is the anchor to it, I guess I would say. Yeah. But the social aspect, you know, the, the folks that from the churches, Sam, that work their, their area at the festival, you know, they're out there hanging out together for, you know, two days creating all the smoke in the pits and cooking all the food and doing it as a fundraiser for their local parish, but yet they have a good time with each other. They love the company of each other. And then the folks in the community love being social with each other to go down to the festival. So I feel like that's the case for almost any event. And, and that's certainly, you know, kind of amplified here with, uh, with the barbecue festival. And that's why the, the kind of modern iteration has been going for a little over 40 years now. Oh, yeah, it's still going strong. So good, good food, good conversation. And don't forget about that plug for Lord's Burger, folks. Make sure you grab a gallon. <laughs> yeah, and, and they didn't even pay me for that one. It's just the example that popped into my head. There you go. <laughs> well, free publicity. That's the best kind. There but, you go. Uh, but anyway, make sure you grab some. And barbecue, like you uh, sort of alluded to, you know, it's it, it's so different from region to region, even though there's a prevalence of barbecue uh, almost everywhere in the country these days, but uh, Owensboro, Western Kentucky barbecue, it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's own special breed, isn't it, Tim? It, it is. It's, and I say, we talk about this often, again, me being a, a, a newbie sounds so weird to say when you've been involved in it for more than a decade, right. um, but, but we, it is unique. And what makes this festival unique is the fact that, you know, if you go to the Memphis big barbecue event, you know, they don't have burgoo. Burgoo is really unique to kind of Kentucky, but more so that I feel like the Western Kentucky region's a little bit uh, more so. It's kind of an anchor to it. Then obviously mutton was an anchor for so long that made it unique. But, you know, when the churches have even their parish picnics that they do a couple times during the year, 
um, and obviously this festival is where they all draw together downtown to kind of communally do it, even though there's fewer church teams now. Um, but the, the cooking pits and the big burgoo kettles, these 70 and 80 gallon kettles um, that they cook that burgoo in just makes it unique and sets it apart. Um, that it's not just a bunch of smokers or it's not just, you know, the big pit bosses that you might see at something else, but it is local and there's different variations and flavors of it. You know, this festival, it's not just a bunch of out of town, um, you know, uh, pit masters that come in or food trucks that come in that all have barbecue. And we have a mix of all of those at our event, but yet the anchor to it is those church teams right in the middle um, that are selling stuff. And those churches have been involved with it for decades. And so that's what really makes it, I feel like, unique. Um, compared to the other barbecue festivals that are, you know, so prevalent in different places. And everybody's unique in a special, in a different way, right? But that's what right, right. here in Owensboro, I guess, in our festival, unique. Yes, exactly. You know, you know, despite the, the, the presence of, a, you know, out of town or some people that come in from elsewhere, you still got that, that local flavor that sort of <laughs> right. sets it apart. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and the churches, each of the church teams has got their own unique flavor too. Like we talked about somebody that likes you know, St. Mary Mags compared to Lourdes or compared to, you know, Blessed Mother, one of those. So, um, you know, it's it's funny because we come down and, um, you know, we try all the different ones each time. And we've had so many people come in and, and it's a known event to the extent that, Sam, we had um, about four years ago, uh, about two, two years before COVID, we had a, a television crew that came in and they just did, they did a show, they're based out of, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head, the country over in Eastern Europe. But they, uh, ah. they do a show on just unique novelties. And um, one of the things, it's like champion novelties is what they did. So they do unique um, stories and features on different things that people that compete in different things. And so they wanted to do one on barbecue and they'd heard about the, this international barbecue festival. And so they came to town and did a whole, um, a whole show um, on Owensboro barbecue uh, for their Eastern European country over there. And That's so they cool. followed around Joey Chestnut when he was in town and they talked to all the church cooking teams and they went out to one of the farms and, and figured out and, and kind of learned a little bit of how mutton became so prevalent here in town. And then, you know, we regularly get phone calls from different, um, different food associations or um, podcasts like yourself or different, um, you know, magazine articles statewide tourism, you know, initiatives about the International Barbecue Festival. So it is something that's really grown uh, in popularity over a few decades. And it is a known entity, you know, kind of around as far as the barbecue scene goes. Yeah, exactly. When you when you get television people from Eastern Europe over here, that's that's how you know it's growing. Right. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. for sure. Now, uh, I know that, well, as, we, as we've sort of been mentioning here off and on, a fair number of the regulars that uh, attend this annual event are not locals, so uh, fill us in, if you would, on some of the places outside of the Owensboro area from which uh, patrons have been known to flock, in addition to Eastern Europe, <laughs> for, yeah. this, uh, for this barbecue bash. Yeah, they probably get the, the record for the long haul with it. Sure. But, I mean, yeah. every, everything around, you know, our region, and I feel like the whole Western Kentucky region is supportive. You know, we, when, even our the Friday after five that happens here in Owensboro, you know, we regularly get folks see him from outside, you know, from Henderson and from Evansville and even up in Jasper, Indiana, you know, so that that kind of simple drive traffic that comes in from, you know, Ohio County and Muhlenberg County and McLean County, you know, all the surrounding regions that come in. Um, but we do get a, you know, a, a good handful of folks that come in that we know of, you know, the, the festival not being a gated ticketed admission, like you would at a concert or, or something, or even at the, um, you know, if you go to the, the county fairgrounds that you have to have a ticket to get in, we can't right. track that. It's just a free downtown community festival. So we have ideas 
where folks come from based on just um, you know web inquiries and stuff like that, that we can track some of that data um, yeah. that we know, but whether or not they, they actually get here, just because they looked at it doesn't mean they actually came to town, right? But you know, we talked to the local hotels uh, you know, down here on the riverfront yeah. and, and in the community, and we get some basic information to kind of track how big, um, you know, if they get a room, a bump in their room nights, um, you know, based on it. And sometimes it's local folks that just want to stay downtown. Maybe they've uh, enjoyed the activities too much and, and don't, want to, <laughs> don't want to drive home. So they right. stay downtown. But, um, you know, we certainly bring all the, the, you know, local from around the region. And it's been interesting to know that, you know, as different business executives that have come into town, talk to us and, and, and look at the festival and they comment, oh no, you know, we were back, we were in Lexington so-and-so that we work with they know all about the barbecue festival and they you know they came once or twice and they absolutely love it excited we're here so they can come stay with us for the weekend and enjoy the festival so the words certainly outside of our immediate drive region that people know about what the barbecue festival is and they've either been to it a handful of times or come regularly yeah so people tell their friends and then like you know in addition to the web inquiries you know i'm sure you talk to you talk to people who talk to people from elsewhere and <laughs> while they're out that's there right. on the streets and stuff. And so that's another good way to get a feel for yep. where, <laughs> where that's people exactly are. how it works. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Now, uh, although a barbecue festival has been held in Owensboro um, since 79 to be exact, well, before then, but the festival as we know, it started in, uh, in 79, but it hasn't always been referred to as a, block party until last year. So uh, tell us about um, what exactly inspired its recent name change to the barbecue block party. Yeah, really, really, that came about um, as a result of COVID, unfortunately. Um, you gotcha. know, the, the barbecue festival has taken place for, like we talked about for so long, 40 years. Um, and, and I feel like any event that has that longevity to it inevitably evolves and changes over time. Um, and so over the last, I don't know, six to eight years, the festival committee has looked to try to, to kind of shift and evolve it a little bit closer back to what it originally started as, as barbecue. Um, you know, over the years, it, it had grown um, into more, uh, a lot more street festival. And as the, the church cooking teams have slowly dwindled, um, just based on some of those parishes aren't, aren't here anymore, or they don't have enough volunteers to help do it. They don't do the picnics in the same way. Uh -huh. So we still have a core of, of, you know, four or five churches that participate, but yet it's not nearly as uh, a big of a presence as what it was 10 and 15 years ago. And so it slowly dropped off. Well, then some of that space naturally got filled in with just other, um, you know, street vendors and carnival vendors and, and community groups doing fundraisers and things like that. Um, but certainly the barbecue element of that whole festival was getting a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller. So they wanted the idea to focus it back on barbecue. Well, then COVID happened. And, um, you know, everybody's plans for everything, um, you know, got railroaded and the way that everybody functioned got changed in some way, right? Oh, the way yeah. we go to the doctor changed. The way we shop now changes. The way we do everything that was different. But because of COVID, um, the festival had to be canceled then uh, in in um, in 2020. What the festival board did though is, is they... Um, partnered with one of the local barbecue restaurants and they said hey everybody that's used to come to the festival come on down at lunchtime and we're going to give you a free barbecue meal and they gave oh. out I think it was like 5,000 free barbecue meals that day and the line was ridiculous you know 14 blocks or something you know looping oh, around no that town to get in line to get there yes. bar but it was kind of commemorative of hey it's always barbecue weekend so come enjoy some barbecue on us uh, but then in 2021 they said okay how can we do it well 
it's not going to be the same looking barbecue festival that people have been used to for the last 40 years no. because we're not going to have all the arts and crafts vendors. We're not going to have all of the, the, the traditional streetcar carnival style vendors. We're not even going to have a carnival um, in order to really minimize those touch points and keep people spread out. So we said if we called it the International Barbecue Festival, people are probably going to be confused. And honestly, a lot will probably be disappointed. You know, if Sam and his family always come down there and they're used to uh, you know, a certain experience in their head and what they get to, to do, it's not going to look that same way. Right. Um, we're going to have the church teams. We're going to have the backyard teams. Um, we're going to have a couple of barbecue restaurants, but it's not going to be the same event. So we said we should probably call it something a little bit different um, just so they realize that there is a, a significant difference to it. So that's where the block party came up. Um, you know, as our downtown Owensboro has slowly evolved and has continued to grow with additional restaurants and bars downtown Indeed. that want to participate and interact. We're like, well, we don't want to block their space and block you know, their view. So we said, okay, let's just call it the big block party. And we're going to have a bunch of picnic tables set up that, you know, down second street and people can really like, what do you do at a block party? You, you, you know, listen to some music, you get some food, and you hang out with your friends. And so that's really what it, it, it uh, involved last year in 2021. And um, so that's, that's the reason for the name change to it. But then in subsequent time, obviously, you know, some people still hate the festival because it's not the barbecue festival, bring back the real festival. <laughs> but, um, but things evolve and things change, like I said, and they're trying to get that focus back. So this year, um, still calling it the barbecue block party because it's still different than what it was eight and 10 and 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, but yet they've added, you know, so they've got the, the church cooking teams and the backyard still there with their cooking competition. But now with, um, you know, two or three of the local barbecue restaurants, and then they've got another, I think it's seven to 10 uh, food trucks that are barbecue, you know, selling different kinds of barbecue and food trucks. So, and then they brought back the carnival this year and they've got space to spread that carnival space out. Um, so it's still not the full event that used to have all these other activities with it, but the focus is back on barbecue still um, with that block party name. Yeah, and after we scaled back some last year, we are uh, back on the uptick. This That's year. right. We're That's right. <laughs> building towards the uh, <laughs> the high point once again. It's going to be a, a big old time on the, the 13th and the 14th. Now, uh, a great way for patrons to uh, consume countless calories at the block party with considerably less guilt is by motoring through the BBQ 5K, which will be held on Saturday morning, the 14th. And it's a great mm -hmm. run for a great cause. So uh, enlighten us on the uh, the worthy recipients of the, the proceeds along with the, the registration process, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So the Barbecue 5K is something that's been happening with the event for a long, long time. And uh, that's a fundraiser for a local YMCA. Um, their group and their, their volunteers that work with them coordinate that whole 5K. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fully organized, you know, 5K road race that our police department helps with, with all of the you know, traffic, all the intersections to keep it a good safe route for all the participants. Um, they oftentimes do a great job of partnering with the local schools. And there's more, I'll call them youth and kids that participate in this run. Me and my family are pretty active. We do a lot of, a lot of these type of things. And there's more kids that do this. I think there's like a dozen already. They're like six-year-olds that are running and walking this 5K at barbecue weekend. And, and they're, they're used to that. There's lots of school-age kids that, that participate in this. I think they're, they're between three and 400 registered already for it. And a lot oh, of times great. people kind of wait to see what the weather's going to be like and whether it's going to be sure. raining or freezing. And, and that those numbers keep bumping up quick now that the weather's warming up. So <laughs> uh, it's the YMCA that does that. The easiest way to get on to, um, to look for it is just go to bbqfest.com 
and just scroll down that page that kind of gives the highlights of the festival. But on there, it's got the 5K, hit that link to sign up. And there's a special price on there. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper, less expensive for the kiddos to participate. Um, and certainly they want, you know, mom or dad or a grown up, you know, high school age or college age, you know, brother or sister or friend to, to be running with those teeny little ones. So it's not a babysitting service, right? Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but they, but that's essentially what it is, is, is they've hosted that as a good fundraiser for our local YMCA, which, uh, which is great. And so we, we hope that they have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of folks that come out here that morning and, uh, and participate in that run. Yeah, and support that uh, worthy cause. Now, Tim, this may surprise you, but I uh, I run my mouth a little better than I do my legs. But uh, maybe maybe if I get inspired, I'll I'll uh, get out there and uh, partake in the run. And I take it you could probably register till like practically the night before, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. I gotcha. So so definitely ample opportunity for you to uh, you know gather up your friends and family and uh, partake in the 5k now of course it ought to be a crime to um, discuss the bbq block party without highlighting the backyard cooking competition presented by kentucky legend we briefly touched on it a few minutes ago but uh, yeah. give us an overview of what this uh, competition entails tim as well as yeah. the uh, the prizes awarded to the lucky winners yeah, yeah. The, the, the backyard cooking competition is fabulous. It, um, it only, I will say, it only takes place on Saturday. They're right. not cooking Friday. They, they, they don't do that on Friday. So all those teams roll in really early before anybody else is really typically getting out of bed on Saturday. And um, there's typically between 30 and 40 teams that come participate in that backyard cooking competition. Um, Kentucky Legend, obviously a big part of making that happen. And so they, uh, they compete in three different types of meat. Um, so they compete in chicken and a beef and a pork. And so they cook and smoke their, you know, what they think is their best chicken meal, um, um, chicken meat, and, and then the pork and the beef. And in addition to that, they also get a bunch of different types of meats from courtesy of Kentucky Legend. And they smoke those um, and they give out samples of that Kentucky Legend meat according to the way that they wanted to prepare it um, during the morning time. So those teams are out early smoking and getting ready for the, the, the prize money per se, what they're going to submit for that. But Kentucky legend gives them um, some ham and some, you know, cheddar and cheddar and jalapeno sausages and um, mm. fried bologna and stuff like that, um, that those teams will all also prepare, you know, to the way that they think is best. And they give those out just as free samples for folks walking up and down the street. Um, but then they get their beef and pork and chicken meals uh, meats that they prepared and they submit those in and there's a, a judging space that's kind of off the beaten path and hidden and none of the judges know who, who's cooking those different meats but uh, they've got that judging panel that's up there and they go through and judge all those meats the, that afternoon and then the awards for that backyard competition are given out uh, later that afternoon usually around 4 30 4 45 once uh, they get it all wrapped up and that'll be uh, on a stage there in front of the Owensboro Convention Center and they'll have a you know celebrity out there helping give out those awards. So they compete for I think it's three thousand thirty five hundred dollars in prize money ah. uh, in those di in those different meets. And so they get teams that come obviously from all over the Commonwealth, but they get them from you know Indiana, Missouri, Tennessee. I know there's a team from Texas that was planning to come up and participate this year in that. Um, so it's it's just a good uh, again good opportunity to walk through samples of different meats that different folks have got, and uh, it just adds to the ambience of that before you you hit those church teams or those other barbecue vendors and, and buy your big plates or your meals of a barbecue that you want for the day. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. Now, uh, I know that uh, world champion eater Joey Chestnut is going to be one of the uh, the guest judges. Now, are the other judges local or are they from all over? It's a mix. It's all over the place. And they keep that list pretty confidential. Um, they want to make sure that there's no influence on those judges. So they don't know. And I, and I can tell you, it really is blind judging. So they've got groups of judges that um, that are up, like I said, kind of hidden away. And the meets come in and all they do is they go, hey, here's your scoring sheet. And this is, you know, the, 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 the pork from team number 13. And they have no idea of the 30 or 40 teams out there, which one's labeled 13 and which one's not, because they're not, they're not labeled by numbers out on the street. And uh, so they, you know, this group then, you know, eats that and judges it based on, you know, the 10, you know, the, the, how juicy it is, how tender it is, how salty it is, if it's overcooked, if it's undercooked, the flavor, the, all these different categories of it. And then they, um, you know, simulate all those different scores to say, hey, who's got at the end of the day, you know, 30 or 40 some odd teams who had the really the best pork meal, who had the best beef that they prepared for it, uh, for that prize money. So it's a, it's a good blind judge and they do a really good job with that. Lots of blind taste testing. Now, is it, uh, is it too late to register for that, Tim? It is. And that's a, that is not an easy ticket to get. I'll tell you that. There's, I can imagine uh, they not. They, they get people from all over that want to participate in that. And they got a few celebrities, you know, um, folks from around the community that, uh, that they pull in. Like I said, the, you mentioned Joey Chestnut's going to be here back again to the festival this year. And he'll be one of the celebrity judges up there. Yes, indeed. So sample the food this year. Make your plans if you're not already registered to, uh, to partake next year. And if they want to register for next year, what do you think? Should they, should they register by maybe February, March? <laughs> yeah, to participate in that competition, they um, ideally you want to get that turned in by March sometime. Yeah, it's uh, quite popular to say the least. But uh, at any rate, it's it's always a big time. And in addition to the uh, backyard cooking competition, Kentucky Legend is also sponsoring the uh, appearance of Mr. Celebrity World Eating Champion Joey Chestnut at uh, this year's blog party. We talked about uh, the fact that he's going to be one of the celebrity judges at the cooking competition. So discuss the uh, the other activities in which Joey will be involved and uh, tell us when slash where we can meet yeah. the man. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Joey, we got Joey involved several years ago um, when we started that mutton eating contest. And um, uh, that was sanctioned by this major league eating group to bring Joey into town. And certainly he's known for those Nathan's hot dogs that they do up in uh, up in New York on July 4 weekend, but he enjoyed coming to town and he had asked us again about it several times. So he participated, I think, three times in that contest before COVID. Um, and then we've taken that hiatus from it. But again, trying to get that focus back on barbecue, we weren't going to do the eating contest this time, but we reached out to Joey and said, hey, any chance you could come back to town? And he he loves the festival and loves, you know, the ambiance of, of Owensboro on barbecue weekend. So he's going to come back to town this year. And so folks to get a chance to meet him uh, every time when he was competing before he was so gracious, uh, you know, he'd walk through the festival sometimes on Friday, just kind of um, incognito and uh, just kind of take it in, soak it in. Uh, but then on, on the day of, obviously he was competing for world records and for some prize money. So he was quite focused and he would get down there. And after the competition, obviously he's pretty, uh, pretty taxed. And so he would still take photos and all that kind of stuff with folks, but this time he's not, you know, there's no competition. So he will be at the Kentucky Legends sampling tent because they're going to have their own tent to sample some of their meats as well. Right ah. in front of the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame is where that'll be throughout the weekend. Uh, but Joey will be there Saturday between 12 and 1. So he'll be there for an hour, just designated time, hanging out. Uh, and you can grab some selfies with him or he'll sign photos and sign different things. But just a chance to meet him, say hi to Joey and, 
and um, and get a chance to meet him because we see him regularly on different things, whether it's Food Network or eating competitions. We're excited to have him in town. Then he'll be over there, like I said, celebrity judge. Um, since certainly he knows about food and eating, he'd be a great judge for that. And then he'll help give out some of those awards to those backyard cook teams as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're glad Joey got, just gets to uh, basically enjoy himself this year and uh, mingle with the peeps. He can go out and see him in the uh, sampling tent Kentucky election from 12 to one and uh, sample some mighty fine products while you're at it. So that's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great place to be the Kentucky legend ham. I mean, I'm, I don't even, I, I have no connection to them at all, but man, that's so good every Easter. And we, I, I have a family that's coming to town with us and we have Easter lunch. Like where in the world is that ham from? Like Kentucky legend. They're like, I think I saw that in my store in Florida. I'm like, you got to get it. It's, it's amazing. It's really Indeed. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky legend is one of a kind. Now what? Uh, no barbecue block party would be complete without the uh, cooking teams from local churches who proudly sell their scrumptious sensations that have become synonymous with their respective church picnics. So uh, give us an overview of the, the churches that will be represented and the, the goodies they'll be serving up. Of course, we, uh, we briefly mentioned Lord's. Yeah, Sam, we did. We, we, and that wasn't even a mic drop. Like, so they didn't pay us for that one at all. Exactly. But people know, yes, like indeed. people, most everybody knows them, right, Sam? So Precious sure. Blood will be out there again. Lords will be out there. Blessed Mother will be there. And then um, Jerry from over at St. Mary of the Woods, he's been there, you know, most every year as well. And uh, so he's planning to be there again. And he, you know, they, they, it's again, it's a little bit different because with the block party format on those churches, like we talked about, Sam, it's, it's, it is becoming more and more challenging for them because they just don't have enough staff or enough volunteers is the better way to say it from those parishes that come help with that setup. So they used to do, you know, back in the day when they had more folks, these massive pits that they would set up and they would set up three and four of those huge burgoo kettles. And it was a lot of work for them to do. And um, so they drastically scaled that back that they're pro they're not selling whole chickens like they used to do back in the day, you know, uh -huh. saying people would come and I think it was at three 30 or four o'clock that people would come fill up their coolers. Like, Hey, the whole chickens are here. Like now's the designated time. And so they're not doing that any longer. Um, the, the teams are selling, you know, quarter chickens or chicken quarters with like, you know, um, potato salad and, and another side item. We're doing more like plate meals. Um, some of them are selling ribs. I know um, Jerry was St. Mary of the woods. He does like a, like a barbecue nacho plate and things like that. So cool. um, the churches are still selling cup or burgoo by the cup or gallon. They're still doing chicken, but they're doing chicken quarters. Um, and they're selling other kinds of meats, but all of those precious blood, Lords, blessed mother, St. Mary of the woods, all are, will all be down there again this year. Yeah. So from barbecue nachos to uh, chicken dinners to, uh, to burgoo, everybody to wants burgoo. a cup of burgoo and like a yeah. you know, pulled pork sandwich or something. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled pork sandwich, you name it. It's all going to be there. As you mentioned, Mutton is rather expensive, but you, you probably find a little bit of it here and there, don't you think? Definitely. I, I know some of the like Old South and Old Hickory were planning to do um, some mutton. Last week we talked to those guys too, so you can still find that down there, no doubt. Absolutely. So you can still get your mutton fix for sure. Now, um, Tim, a, a new and exciting component of this year's blog party is live music on the front lawn of the Owensboro Convention Center. So uh, fill us in on the time frame that we can uh, – take in the tunes along with the uh, a summary of the terrific talent scheduled to take the stage yeah it's um it's not it's new back this year so there was no live music uh at the event last year 
Also, um, they had it before last year. We, we used to have before that, but it's going to be a little bit different because in previous years, and then this is kind of the evolution of it, Sam, I'll give you the, the quick kind of Cliff Notes version. Sure. In downtown Owensboro, we've got the, the what's called the EDC. We call it the district, which is where you can walk around the downtown area with an open container of alcoholic beverage. And um, so we started that here in Owensboro several years ago. Well, prior to that, uh, you know, an event would have to get a special event permit from the state to have a temporary liquor license, essentially, which means, hey, I can sell drinks on this, this city property. Um, so the barbecue festival for years had done what people refer to as a beer garden, right? A designated space where you could buy a drink and right. traditionally there was live music there, listen to music, have a drink, but you'd have to, to pour that drink out or get rid of it, be done with it before you left to go walk around another city property. Mm -hmm. um, with our EDC, you don't have to do that anymore. You can buy a drink, the vendor down there, you know, our restaurants sell them and they put them in these designated, we call them green cups because it's got a green like logo on it. And then, but then you can walk you know, from point A to point B and enjoy the ambiance up and down the street. A lot and more so, freedom. <laughs> right. So, so now that all of the restaurants are able to do that and the convention center on the front lawn, they own that space, they sell drinks there. Um, so the, the festival itself doesn't have to have that designated beer garden space and you're not kind of confined to that little corral um, to be able to enjoy it. So that being said, that location changes and moves. And so the, the music stage is going to come up to the front lawn of the convention center and uh, the convention center will be selling drinks there. But then all the other restaurants downtown are selling as well. So whether it's, you know, Bar Louie or Pub on Second or Bistro, whatever, um, you know, they all sell drinks as well. So, you know, if you enjoy a lunch sitting on the patio there at Bistro or over at Lure, um, you know, you can take your drink with you and stroll on down the street and, and, and sample the stuff, you know, along by the backyard cook teams or go over to the front lawn of the convention center and listen to some music so that that beer garden location is what's different. And then we're able to bring that up then and uh, put it on that front lawn of the convention center. So a lot of good bands, uh, you know, Friday, all local, local groups, but Friday night, there's music from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Sure. The festival itself starts at noon on Friday, like it traditionally, there's always people walking around at lunch. So the festival's noon to 9 p.m., but yeah. the live music, you know, later on in the day, five to nine, and then Saturday, you know, the festival kicks off at 10, we'll have live music that starts at 11 a.m., and it goes all the way to 9 p.m. So, um, you know, a couple of different groups that that people know, and, and some of these group names change as some of the different band members change. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, Drew, Drew Odd's been in a group uh, for a long time here in town, and so they've got new names now, but, you know, there's the on Friday, we've got somebody called Galactic Foghorn that'll be playing and Whiskey Row will be playing later that night. And then on Saturday, it's a whole mix. Troy Miller's out there. Carly Moffa's out there. Blackford Creek that a lot of you know locals around the region know Blackford Creek is going to play Saturday evening. And then the League of Dangerous Gentlemen is going to be playing. Again, that's a different, just a new name for a group, but uh, a lot of folks will know those guys and they follow, probably follow them on social media. So they'll yeah. be out there Saturday night then <laughs> so from, uh, they, from seven to nine. Yeah, so even though they might not recognize the names of these bands, they'll they'll recognize the people in a lot of cases. So. Yeah, exactly, yep, that's right. Well, because just over time, like, uh, you know, this band will dissolve and these members will go start a new one or somebody will shift to a different group. So, but yeah, live music out there. Excited to have that, just to add to the ambiance out there Saturday just right there where those backyard cooking teams are and same stage where they'll do the awards there on the on the front lawn of the convention center. Oh yeah, and it's great to be able to grab a brewski and just sort of walk around to your heart's content and <laughs> socialize right. and take in the music and the, the food. That's uh, that's what it's uh, all about. Now, uh, lastly, well, almost lastly, it goes without saying that uh, generous assistance from faithful supporters is the lifeblood of events such as the barbecue block party so why not share with us some ways that 
we can uh, give of our time and resources to keep this annual tradition thriving. Yeah, I mean, the, the best way to do it, Sam, is just to come participate in it, right? Oh, yeah. Come on down to the event. You know, the, the busier, the more business that the downtown restaurants are, the busier they are that day, that weekend, the busier that the church teams are, the busier that the backyard cooks is, the more, the more people that come down to the event, um, the more successful it'll be because then all those businesses participating, the whole reason that Old Hickory and, and Old South and those guys come out, the reason the churches come out and do it is it's a fundraiser for them. And um, they, you know, they want to raise those funds to help their parishes or, or to do well for their businesses. So the best way to keep this thing going and to help it grow um, is to come out and be a part of it. And the, the bigger the crowds are, the bigger the event is, the more opportunity there is to get new sponsors and, you know, add more elements down the road. Um, so that's really the best way to do it. Um, you know, we, the city supports a lot of it, all the operational pieces to it are there. And that barbecue fest board's got a, got a good handle on operating that event. But we just want uh, as many people to come out and enjoy the atmosphere and the day, have a great time with it. But uh, the more people that come, the better everybody does. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody because you have fun, you get full, and you're supporting the festival as well as the uh, the vendors that, that participate. So That's right, yeah. You know, come on out and just uh, support the cause and uh, make the most of it. You will not be disappointed. Well, this has been great. I have sure enjoyed talking to you, Tim. Now, before we split, in 30 <laughs> seconds or less, why don't you explain why the barbecue block party is the perfect cure for both spring fever and a hearty appetite. Yeah, it is the perfect. It's the start. It's the start of the season when everything warms up. I just had a phone call this morning from a gentleman that's got folks from Germany that are in town, business associates, and they'd heard about, about the barbecue festival and they want to drop. They're going to be in uh, Louisville and Bowling Green areas, but they're going to come up on Saturday for that barbecue festival on the 14th. Um, and so he wanted to make sure and confirm some time. So it's a known, just a great fun social atmosphere to get some great food and enjoy a good time with family and friends to kind of kick off the warm weather season uh, here in the in the Owensboro area. Yes, indeed. People from from Germany coming over. That is something to to be proud. Well, I know they'd be there for business anyway, but it, it's, it's an honor to have them, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is because they're taking time out of their schedule in another city to come over to enjoy the barbecue festival for the day in Owensboro, which is exactly yeah. what we want to do, right? Exactly. And it's uh, Friday the 13th from noon to nine and uh, Saturday. Well, the run starts at eight on Saturday. The rest of it kicks in at 10 on Saturday, right? That's correct. Yep. Yep. 10 to nine. So, you know, even though we do have a Friday the 13th this time around, that's going to bring nothing but good luck. That's right. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully you can get out there, Sam. We'll see you first thing in the morning with that 5k, hopefully. And if not, we'll catch you <laughs> by all the, all the cooking teams later in the day. Yeah, I'll try to set my standards high and get there. But uh, but anyhow, bbqfest.com is the uh, the website. You can find out all you need to know about that 5K as well as all the other elements of the barbecue block party. Well, uh, Tim, I know we're all hungry, and I'm sure you are too. So you might have to hit up one of those barbecue establishments in Owensboro to sort of wet your whistle between now and then. Yeah, I know a few of them. I think we might be able to work something out. There you go. <laughs> I bet you will. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. We'll do it again, sir. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving us the time and I appreciate you helping promote it. We uh, community loves it and we hope everybody else that comes into town loves it as much as we do. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt they do, Tim. So head on out there, see what it's all about. If you want Tim to save you some of that darn good barbecue, you best 
make an appearance. And I tell you, it's going to be a, a big time. So go support the vendors and go support the musicians who will be busting their tails off on stage for us. And meet Joey Chestnut, world-renowned eating champion. A lot of us aspire to eat like Joey, but <laughs> none of us do. There are days that I feel like, me personally, I could give him a potential run for his money. But the fact is, he's still the grand champion, and I don't see anybody stealing that title away from him anytime soon. So go meet him, get his autograph, and just... Enjoy yourself wholeheartedly, and I will link you to the uh, Barbecue Blog Party's website in my show notes, too. It's bbqfest.com, but to make life easier for you, all you gotta do is just go to the show notes. You can link to the website right there and find out anything and everything you need to know to get you pumped up. Hopefully you are already, but even more pumped up about the uh, Barbecue Blog Party May 13th and 14th, and thanks so much to uh, Tim Ross for coming on and enlightening us on it today. It was uh, sure a pleasure talking with him. Now, a couple more items of business that we need to take care of before shutting this baby down for the day. First off, let's tell you that if we play our cards right, we will come at you again May the 11th. That is next Wednesday, and we definitely want you to be a part of the show like we do always. We also need to reveal... This week's Derby-themed Bluegrass Brain Buster as the fastest two minutes in sports. It is coming your way this Saturday, May the 7th, so we decided we needed a question centered around the Derby. And here it is. Since the Derby's inception in 1875, it has been a Commonwealth tradition in the springtime, and I wanted to know how many horses have taken part in the Derby over these last, let's see, it's 100 and, this will be the 148th this year. Gosh, that's hard to believe. But since 1875, how many horses have taken part in the Kentucky Derby? It is a whopping 1,957, if you can believe that. 1,957 horses have completed the fastest two minutes in sports in the Kentucky Derby. That is some number, and we're going to add to that this year and uh, hopefully for many, many years to come. That's a tradition that uh, I don't think is going to retire anytime soon. So come on back. Next week, we'll have another bluegrass brain buster for you. Hopefully, everybody enjoys their uh, mint juleps and derby parties, anything else that they do to to celebrate the derby over the weekend. you got to celebrate it somehow, right? It only comes once a year. And I also did want to point out that the day before this podcast comes out, uh, Tuesday, May the 3rd, happens to be National Teacher Day. And I had uh, a number, and I do mean a number, of great teachers who really made a difference in my life uh, as a kindergartner all the way up through graduate school during my college years. And as somebody who likes to feature teachers on occasion, I'm blabbing in the bluegrass. I do want to salute all of the teachers out there who uh, work so hard to make a positive impact on the lives of students across the state in honor of National Teacher Day. And uh, we hope that you were honored <laughs> on Tuesday, one way or another. If not, here's your salute, and uh, you are well-deserving of it. And folks, stay tuned for more exceptional educator spotlights coming down the pipe 
real, real soon here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. And let me remind you that if you'd like to nominate a teacher for recognition and a spotlight here on the show, I am just an email away. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Let me know about those special teachers in your life. You can also use that uh, email address to let me know what else is on your mind, whether that be questions, other topics of interest that you would like to hear potentially highlighted on the program. I love hearing from you via email. And also, be sure to like and follow the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page if you're not already doing so. All of my previous shows are there. You can enjoy them for the first time. If you missed them, you can enjoy them. Again, if you didn't miss them, you can uh, stay abreast of future plans for the show with teasers that are presented generally once a week. You can make comments, leave messages. You know I love hearing from you via that platform as well. And lastly, you can listen and subscribe to the show without paying a pretty penny via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So no excuse to miss out on any of the fun that we have each and every week. I always have fun, and I don't want to be the only one having fun. So come on back next week, and until we meet again, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing even through the run for the roses in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.